0: When you know that you suck, it is so painful. And I quit playing guitar several times, and I just didn't think it was possible for me to get good until he said that to me. And I was like, he's like, you have to be willing to suck, and you have to play through it, and play through it, and you're going to suck, and you're going to hate it. And eventually, all of a sudden, you're going to be good. And he was right.
1: Today's guest, Ali Handel, grew up loving music, particularly guitar. And she kind of got in her head that she was never good enough or going to be good enough To make it her life. So she went the academic path and ended up almost (laughs) pursuing her PhD. She went through college and was about to go and get her PhD in psychology and become a therapist when she realized that actually the thing that she had to do was play music. She had to dive back into her guitar and songwriting. And make that the center of everything. And there was a moment where somebody kind of said something that snapped her into the realization that just because she wasn't as good as she wanted to be now didn't mean that she never would be. And everything changed. And that story and where she's landed now is what we dive into in a really powerful way in this week's conversation. We also walk through some pretty big awakenings and moments in her life. A couple of years ago, she was diagnosed with an incurable form of cancer and we explore how she's been moving through that window how it affected her and how she sort of lives and how it's changed her and also not changed her in certain ways um and at the end uh she brought this stunning absolutely stunning gibson guitar to the studio with her so i couldn't resist asking her to play something for us so we get a sneak preview of a song that will be on her forthcoming album which is pretty awesome so be absolutely sure to stick around to the end because you don't want to miss that. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Good Life Project.
2: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: I have so many questions about you and your story.
0: Oh, gosh. And, and I'm looking
1: forward <laughs> to hearing you play a little bit later, too. So, And it's so funny that we end up having this mutual friend, like me from a recent part of my life. And
0: yeah, you, you
1: met Casey when he was like out in his touring days in L.A. or something oh, like really that. Oh, like, really
0: long time <sighs> ago. We both. We're hanging out at this place called Highland Grounds, which was a coffee shop and the place where all the budding singer-songwriters would go for open mic nights. And that's where I cut my teeth as a songwriter, as a performing songwriter. And, yeah, we knew each other way, 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 way back then.
1: All right. That's too funny. It's crazy. And, I mean, talk about a guy who's, like, done – just tremendous shifts in his, I mean, he's still yeah. so deeply moved in, and by music, but he's, yeah, amazing, amazing, just sort of strides and shifts in the last few years.
2: Yeah.
1: And so, so you've gone through some extraordinary shifts and changes in the mm-hmm. last few years too, but I want to yeah. take a, a bigger step back first. We're hanging out here. You have this gorgeous Gibson that's sitting in the corner that <laughs> at some She's point so I'm going <laughs> to ask you to pick up and uh, jam with it a little bit. And you've got this really amazing career that you built in music. There's a moment in your life, I guess it's quite a while back now. You were in school mm-hmm. pursuing about to pursue a PhD in psychology. Did I get I that was, right? All yes. right, take me there.
0: Yeah. Well, I was really good in school for My whole life, not because I'm particularly brilliant, but because I really – can I swear, by the way? Yeah, you can do anything. I I just tend to – It's a podcast. I know, I know, I just – I know I I can, but I just feel like I don't want to offend (laughs) anyone, but whatever. But I – and I'm not even swearing. I worked my ass off, like, throughout school, more from a really uh, unhealthy uh, perfectionism bent than, you know, some – Lofty goal of, you know, knowing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was a straight A student through high school, college, and I was in the honors program at UCLA and I was all set. I was doing research based on Elizabeth Loftus's eyewitness testimony research that she did with, you know, how unreliable. Now right. we know eyewitness testimony is very unreliable, but back in the day it wasn't, you know, quite, quite so well known. So I was kind of doing some research that was related to that. But I was really miserable, and I had moved to Los Angeles when I was seventeen because I want. I, you know, it was kind of assumed in my family that I would go to college. That was just there was no right. question that about it. That was the expectation. That was the expectation, right. and and I had that too. So I figured, well, if I can't like go and be a rock star like I secretly fantasized about, I would go where all you know the cool rock stars are. In in my mind, that was Guns and Roses, and you know, <laughs> this was like back right back when in they were, the day, yeah, right. you know. Guns N' Roses was from the Sunset Strip. Right. And it's in LA. funny, you know, like,
1: as we sit here, they're sort of like doing their reunion thing now. Like, oh it's a very different experience. Yeah. <laughs> people are
0: like, are you going to go see Guns N' Roses? I'm like, are you kidding me? I saw them in a small theater in yeah. the late eighties when they were brand new and How they were cool. amazing. Like, I'm not going to go see them now. <laughs> I want to keep that
2: memory
1: right, really totally. fresh. <laughs> so you're back there. So part of the reason you went to LA wasn't just school, but also because that was sort of in the back of your mind. Yeah. At least you're going to you're doing like the thing that you have to do. But this is also like this is the heartbeat of the music scene that you were into.
0: Yeah, I was really into metal and all that embarrassing who stuff. Were the, that, who, I mean,
1: beyond Beyond well, Guns N' Roses. I mean, <laughs>
0: my my ultimate the ultimate band still for me is Led Zeppelin, which yeah. was really before my time, but. That was the be all and end all. But when I was growing up, you know, there were the hair bands and the, you know, Bon Jovi. I don't mm-hmm. even, li- poison, you know, people I don't even listen to. Yeah. Right. Well, I hated Poison. I'll just have to say as a guitar <laughs> player, I hated Poison. But Skid Row, you know, right. people who now I don't really listen to. But, um, nah. you know, but I was also raised on really good music like Carole King and, you know, Dylan and the right. Beatles. But, You know, when I was a teenager, I went to every single metal show, Metallica, Ozzy. That's what, that was kind of like my thing. So I grew up in that kind of guitar hero era. Right. And very macho. Were you playing when
1: you were a young kid also? I
0: was playing, but I had no confidence and I was not very good. And so I just thought, well, I'm just not very good at this. Like I had no concept that maybe if I practiced for a while, I could get as good as all those Mm. other people. I just thought I would just must not be very good. But I never really stopped. I still, did it i just felt really bad about myself and i never played in public it was you know i sang i sang a lot i was always in choir and actually when i started college i was i was a double major i was a music major and a psychology major so um but so by the time just, i ended uh, you know i i had uh, gotten vocal nodules and i was singing opera oh, wow. yeah so i, wait,
1: I, wait, I wait, yeah wait, you can't just gloss <laughs> <laughs> over you, you're like <laughs> A Heavy metal Zeppelin fan, Carol King, and you're singing opera in school.
2: well, that was
0: all I could study. Ah. I was a music fan, and I just loved music and I wanted to learn as much as I could, so I decided to be a music major, but at that time, the you know being a music major meant you played classical music or you sang, and for me guitar wasn't but guitar wasn't a thing like that wasn't something you could study at the- co- I went to Occidental college right so at Occidental College, you studied classical music if you were going to study music. So I was in the choir, which I had very high expectations for. But uh, unfortunately, my high school choir was this amazing nationally ranked choir, and we toured and all kinds of stuff. And when I got to college, I was actually quite let down and quit. And then I discovered I also had vocal nodules, which I was like, well, I guess I'm just not meant to be a singer. I'm just – you know." and so I I stopped, and when it came time for me to – switch schools. I wasn't allowed to double major. So I'm like, I'm just going to do the psychology thing, get my degree, you know, and kind of do the right thing.
1: So in the back of your mind, had you kind of closed the book on music as a a meaningful part of your life at that point? No,
0: no, I hadn't. But I was very conflicted about it. You know, I was still going to every concert I could, you know, I, I would even go like when I first moved to LA, I mean, I would go to concerts by myself. I'd go hang out on the Sunset Strip, by myself, because I didn't have any friends who listened to that kind of music. Everyone was into like Depeche Mode and whatever, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like stuff I was not
2: into. So I, would go I, would, to, I was the
1: weirdo who was into Depeche Mode. That wasn't weird. That was, and, and weird. The, that and was normal. And Zeppelin was, that's, and Dylan at awesome. all, like, all, like, right. the same time. I was, like, yeah. I was a DJ also, like way back in the day, so I would, I would play anything as long. Like My rule was, if it's good, it's good.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's good. I was very, very narrow-minded as mm. a as a teenager in terms of music. I was. A weird musical i don't think it's that weird as a teenager to be narrow-minded but i was like (laughs) really into metal and part of it i think was also as a girl who played guitar which was really uncommon back then i wanted to be tough you know it was like i wanted to be tough and i listened to metal and i'm this girl who can rock and you know so you know i didn't like pop music and but I did love Prince. I mean, I, there were things I did love. How have could you to not? Love I know. Prince. I know, what a guitar <laughs> like, virtuoso. So,
1: who yeah. were your, because I know, like, this, so this was the 80s ish? Yeah, yeah. Right. So that 80s, like, 90s. Who were yeah. the, what was that, Alita Ford or. Oh,
0: yeah, I but, guess. Right. But
1: other There was than nobody. Like, right.
0: No, and, I mean, Jennifer Batten with Michael Jackson, but I didn't like Michael Jackson. Like, that wasn't my huh. thing. That was pop music. Yeah. You know, I mean, so it really wasn't. And Jennifer Batten, like, I. I wasn't that good. So I wanted to be able to like rip like Ingve or whatever. But like I was – I never got to that point. My style was much more sloppy like Jimmy mm. Page and my – you know, Joe Perry, like my favorite, you know, real melodic players. But I wasn't I couldn't play like that at that time. I just I, – I was a wannabe, you mm. know. And, you know, I would learn stuff and I could play riffs and I could play songs. But soloing was a really big block for me mentally. And I really had this – feeling that I just, I couldn't do it. And it just did not occur to me that I I could if I kept working at it. But, yeah. you know, it wasn't until much later when I had one of my many guitar playing boyfriends gave me some advice that really helped me break through that. What was it? You've got to be willing to suck.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and not in that way, but you've got to be willing to like really suck. And, you know, for somebody who's a perfectionist and who has an ear it's very painful, and I think this uh, is why adults have such a hard totally time picking great. up instruments because
1: and picking up anything, yeah, anything, anything new that that takes time. Because you t- yeah. you can
0: tell you suck. Yeah. Like when you're a kid, sometimes you don't know or everybody else sucks too, and it's not that big a deal. But when you know that you suck, it is so painful. And I quit playing guitar several times as a young adult, mm. even though I still really wanted to do it. I was so down on myself. And I just didn't think it was possible for me to get good until he said that to me. And I was like, he's like, you have to be willing to suck and you have to play through it and play through it. And you're going to suck and you're going to hate it. And eventually all of a sudden you're going to be good. And he was right. I mean, it took a long time. And yeah. most people, it's just, it's very painful to listen to yourself. Be like, oh, this is terrible. This is not where I want to be. So
1: here's my curiosity. When you were doing that, because Cause, so I've never played through to the point where I'm because I still suck. Um, I rarely <laughs> ever pick up the guitar. You know, like I was playing when I was in sixth grade mm-hmm. and I was doing good, and then I just kind of stopped. And I, mm-hmm. I, it's one of these few things that, I, looking back, I probably regret actually. But it's
0: never too late to start. I again. know, <laughs> I know.
1: We're probably gonna have that conversation too. And it's funny too because you walked in today and you pull out this beautiful guitar and you pick it up and you tune it and you hand it to me, and I'm like, and you're sitting there and I know you're a badass player. And I got this gorgeous guitar in my hands and I start to strum a little bit and I'm like, I would love to just play, but there's people in the room and I suck. I know how that and feels. So I've been now, there. Yeah, even now, yeah, I'm yeah. like, there's this amazing opportunity to just like play a beautiful guitar. Yeah. And I just gave it back to you because I was like, I just don't want to go there right now. And I'm like,
0: "I totally kind of messed that. up. <laughs> no, I, yeah, yes. But if you put me in a room with people that I'm, really intimidated by. And there's lots of them. Yeah. I, I have the same feelings. It's a huge struggle for me. You know, sometimes I'll push past that and sometimes I won't, you know, especially as a professional. Like mm. I don't want to like, you know, the whole fear of like messing up. Yeah. Oh my God. that And it's, and it's, I think that's something that really stopped me. And I think it, you know, we'll get into this you know guitar for quote unquote for girls book mm. that i wrote but you know people ask what's the difference for guitar for girls as opposed to guitar for anybody i don't like thinking there is a difference and i don't there isn't in the way i would teach somebody but there are definitely struggles that i find at least for myself when i was a young girl and i see in in girls today that we seem to be more self-conscious and afraid about screwing up where it seems like young boys I don't know if they're encouraged more to just get out there and who cares if you're great or not, just have a good time. You know, I know as as a girl myself, I was just petrified of making a fool out of myself and not being perfect in mm. front of people. And I think that's, that's really unhealthy. Yeah. You know, I'd love to somehow be a part of stopping that, you know.
1: And essentially – I had a chance to talk to uh, Carolyn Paul, who wrote this – what's the name of her book? Like Gutsy Girls, something like that. Ooh. But she did some research. She also she said, you know, like the average boy when, when he's younger is sort of like told to go out there and risk.
2: Yes. And the
1: average girl when she's younger is kind of like cautioned. Play
0: it safe. Be careful. risk. And I, yeah. I've never
1: validated that, but, you know, just intuitively, I think it, it yeah. probably kind of – we've probably both seen that. But I'm yeah. curious too. Do you reach a point? Cause, so you were like, you love to play, mm-hmm. like you're half decent, but you're looking at all these people and feeling intimidated. Was there a, a conversation in your head that was kind of like, I don't, it's not, not just that I don't want to suck for my own mm-hmm. ego, but because I'm the woman in a world where there are very few of us. Yeah. Like, I mean, I played a was, part, Like, did that, a little part. Yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. And I always was conscious of that. I'm not. Now, because I have I have much more confidence than yeah. I did back then, but yeah, and I was I was always self conscious as as a woman representing guitar players, when right. I, especially when I was younger, um, especially when I'd walk into a guitar center. You know, I mean, I ha- I literally had this experience where it's a little bit better now sometimes, but I walked into a guitar center and I wasn't sure what kinds of strings I wanted, and so I was like, I asked a question like about the strings. And he's like, oh, what kind of guitar does your boyfriend play?
2: Oh. And I was like,
0: fuck oh. you. <laughs> like,
2: this is not for my
0: boyfriend. <laughs> Just because I don't know what I want doesn't mean that I'm not a guitar <sighs> player. You're such a an ass. <sighs> anyway, that was like, I'll never forget that. And I'm sure part of that had to do with me being unsure in the way I asked my question. But I, I also have, when I was shopping for Ms. Bella over here, my guitar that I have yeah. now, I was shopping for her last year and I walked into a guitar center and there was this guy like, you know, older than me, working in a guitar center. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, like, he's a frustrated musician and right. whatever. And he's condescending to me without – like, I felt like going, my book is over there, by the way. Like, <laughs> dude, just – I'm looking for, you know, a guitar. Please. He's like, keep up with the songwriting thing. I'm like, oh, please. You know, it's amazing. Like, even now okay, when so- there's so many more –
1: so deep down there, the do are, are those moments kind of fun when then you pick yes. up a guitar and then you just completely roll and somebody's jaw drops on the floor?
0: <laughs> sometimes, it, usually it's just annoying. Like yeah. it was fun because I had friends with me who really. knew how I can play. But like I was in there shopping for an acoustic guitar, which is still kind of stereotypical hmm. for a girl, you know, it's like, you know, like, yeah, I can play my Les Paul like a badass. But right now I'm shopping for an acoustic guitar and I'm going to play acoustic guitar, whatever. And that I I hate being stereotypical. Like I've always kind of chafed against that. Just I don't know why. I just Mm. always wanted to be tough and I wanted to be different, I guess. Maybe because I'm not that different, but um, (sighs) I don't know.
1: Do you really feel that way still?
0: That That I'm not not that that different? different, Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I am different. I mean, but I feel like everybody I know is different. Everybody's Mm. weird in their own way. Everybody's
1: New York and L.A., it's pretty much true. Yeah, I mean, I
0: live in L.A. and I'm surrounded. By my my right, husband's right. a magician, so, I mean, that's pretty weird, you know? So, that
1: definitely is on a different scale. Yeah, we have
0: friends who are, yeah, pretty different. So I, I guess maybe everybody I know is different. I don't know a lot of people that are quote-unquote normal, but no. really people seem – I mean, I you know, I'm a podcast addict. I listen to all kinds of storytelling podcasts and people telling their stories, and people seem very similar way down inside, you know?
1: No, I totally agree. But I, I I think it's unusual that you see somebody actually embrace something that's been calling them for a really long time in their lives, especially when it's not the mainstream. And especially when it's not so easy to look down the road and kind of see like, oh, okay, here are like 20 people who are similar enough to me who've done – like. Yeah. there's kind of a path, a clear path. There's
0: no path. And yeah. that's the hardest thing about doing what I do. I think musicians in general, but especially – what I've done, because I haven't chosen, maybe that was just not smart on my part, but I never really thought, you know, it's so much more difficult than school. Like that would have been so easy for me to go get a PhD in psychology and become a therapist. Like so easy. And this like taking a year off after I got out of school and getting in a band and getting a part-time job and like, you know, learning how to be good and learning how to be in a band. There are so many lessons you cannot learn other than by doing. It's like being an entrepreneur. It's mm-hmm. very similar. And there's no way to know what to do. I mean, only now after I've been at it for like 20 years that do I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm doing some things now that I want to keep doing and I can see how to make that happen. And the landscape is completely different than it was 20 years ago. Mm. You know, it's yeah. it, there is no path. But then I think – really is there I mean yeah there are paths if you're gonna be a lawyer maybe but things change so much in our lives anyway nah. you know
1: but you know that I mean the interesting thing about music to me it, it's a lot of interesting things i kind of been obsessed with various elements but it's that it's definitely and this is probably across the arts in general is that it's one of those things where like you said most people feel like they suck mm-hmm. um, it takes years and years and years to develop a level of craft where you feel like you're half decent yeah and there are so like the the underlying ethos is you do it for the art, mm-hmm. and you know, like you you stay in it. But the vast majority of people never get to a point in their lives where they actually figure out how to make it their main thing. Yeah. So especially now, yeah, yeah. Do you, Do you think it's harder or easier now?
0: I don't know. I mean, I think it's kind of both. Yeah. But overall, I think for independent artists, it's much easier now. Mm. But it's very hard because there's so many. There's so, so, so many, but every artist that I know, and I'm not at the superstar level, obviously, every artist I know has about at least five different streams of income and different Mm -hmm. things that they're doing, whether it's all in music or in music and something else. Everybody I know has so many different jobs that they're doing because you have to, you, you just, that's just the reality of a music career. Yeah.
1: It's like a friend of mine who's actually, I have two friends who are both actors and they're also both audio book readers. Voice <gasps> oh, over that's it, so cool. So so, <laughs> um, but it is. It's interesting how you can piece it all together. These yeah. days, there's like the two yeah. sides that now a million people can do it because the tools are so readily right. available. That doesn't and mean And at they're the same good, time, though. right. Yeah. You know, then, then it means that you, if you really want to put it in the word to be good. So I'm curious, even back when you, when you quote sucked using your mm-hmm. own words, not passing judgment.
2: I did. Really? Um, <laughs>
1: Could you hear in your head what you wanted to play? But no, not really. Play?
0: No, I mean it wasn't that. It was just I could hear how other people played and I wanted to play like them. Right. I just wanted to be fluid. That was the way you know, I wrote like many years ago I wrote a I had five goals in my life. I, I don't remember what they all were, but I have it somewhere folded up somewhere and I wrote it down and hid it away and you know, every once in a while I run into it. But one of it, the, the one that was the last one that I was to actually achieve was the hardest one was to just be able to fluidly play guitar and, and you know, not play a whole bunch of wrong notes, you know. That was the, the really tough one for me. For some reason, you know, being able to take a great guitar solo was like the way I would judge myself. And I did judge myself. I mean, I was pretty
1: Good Life Project is brought to you by LinkedIn Ads. So have you ever felt the challenge of reaching a key decision maker in the B2B world? Imagine connecting with a billion professionals, including 180 million senior executives and 10 million C-level leaders. Well, LinkedIn Ads provides precision targeting and measurement tools tailored for B2B marketers outperforming other platforms with two to five times higher ROAS and technology. Plus, 79% of B2B content marketers vouch for LinkedIn Ads' exceptional paid Media results. What sets LinkedIn ads apart is their understanding of the complex B2B landscape. They have built a platform to support you through intricate decision-making processes. I've actually tapped the power of LinkedIn ads a number of times to help grow our work-focused venture, Spark Endeavors, and I've been seriously impressed by the performance. So if you're ready to elevate your B2B marketing, try LinkedIn ads. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject or just click the link in the show notes. Terms and conditions apply. then unwinding with the available front row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Good, Life project is supported by Dell. So seasons change. So why not your tech? Upgrade now during the Dell Technologies Summer Sale event and save on select PCs like the XPS 16 powered by Intel core processors. You'll be able to bring your most intensive project to life with built-in AI, minimalistic design, immersive visuals, and cinematic audio. Plus, complete your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop at dell.com deals, You'll have access to exceptional tech and electronics, plus free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time, only at dell.com slash deals. That's dell.com slash deals, or just click the link in the show notes.
0: Harsh, but how I would judge, you know, if I had, you know, made it to the level I really wanted to or not. So I'm not saying it's healthy. I'm not saying anyone else should. I I, I try to not, you know, not be so harsh on myself anymore, but it's tough. I think it's like something either you're born with or you learn or both. And, you know, I have parents who are both pretty hard on themselves. So Uh, I think I learned it and I was, you know, ingrained uh, with
1: it. All right. so So now you mentioned your parents. Curious what the what the conversation was when you made the decision. You're like, you know what? I'm not going to do my PhD and be a therapist. Yeah. I'm going to play guitar. Oh
2: uh, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, granted, I know it was
1: a, like a past life, but
2: no. I'm just kind of <laughs>
1: always curious how people navigate like that. It was those hard. Moments. I mean,
0: my parents were nervous about it mm. for obvious reasons. I mean, I did have a college degree, so that was helpful in terms of being able to support myself, which was nice. But- my mom was definitely initially more supportive in the whole follow your dream type of idea. And my dad was very skeptical <laughs> up until a few years ago. I mean, now that, you know, I have my own business and I have this book, you know, it was very validating to have a major music publisher publish a book that I wrote. That was mm-hmm. like, to him, you know, it's that kind of others validating what you do right. really helps with the parental units. So... That was very helpful. And then also I'm a lot better now than I was 20 years ago. Like I'm a lot better. So he has seen me perform and he's like, Oh, she's actually pretty good. You know, and now Mm -hmm. he's really proud of me. But I think it's because I've been able to, you know, I've been doing this for a long time now and I'm able to make it on my own. And he's like, Well, you're making on your own. He's also, you know, older and wiser. And I think he appreciates that, you know, money isn't everything and stability is really important. In life, but Mm. but money isn't everything.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a parent, you know, I want my kid to be happy. I also want my kid to be safe. Yeah, we we all we so often equate money with security and safety.
0: Well, and it's true. I mean, to a certain degree, it's true. And I have friends who are quote unquote starving artists or struggling artists, and it's really hard to watch. And I, you know, in whatever ways I can, I try to help support my friends and just other musicians in, you know, really erasing that poverty mentality. Cause I don't think, you know, just because an artist, you do not have to be struggling. I really am a firm believer in that.
1: So what do you, what do you think is the difference is, do you think you could take one of your friends who's struggling without any change in their skill level? And if they were able to change their mindset, their lens, something like a a set of other things, I'm always curious what so in a space like art, music, mm-hmm. you know, painting, whatever it may be, you have a small number of people who are at the top who are making yeah. gobs of money and yeah. they're famous. And then you have the vast majority of people who are, I don't want to say at the bottom, but they're just, they're not coming close to right. taking care of themselves, even yeah. though they're spending time doing what they love. And then there's like this middle group of people who are doing okay, you know, like you're supporting yeah. yourself. You're like a workaday artist. The, you're yeah, like the working artist. Everything's artists, okay, yeah. which I guess That's is sort what of like, I, where yeah. I am, Yeah. What has to happen to go from being in that place where you just you're you're not capable of getting by to to going to like the a day artist level?
0: Oh, I think anybody who pretends to have the answer to that, nah. I think, is probably trying <laughs> it's to like sell a big it question, because that's right? well, it is a big question. I think luck has to do with it, which yeah. I hate to say, but I do think luck has to do with it, and also what you're willing to do. I mean, one of the reasons that I'm not struggling like some of my friends is because I, with, you know, I co-founded a music licensing company 10 years ago, and that has enabled me to pursue my art, you know? And so some people would say, well, you're not really doing, you know, performing full time. I was like, well, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a musician. I, you know, I have a lot of different things I'm doing in music. So I was willing to, start a company which is kind of a weird thing you know right. that a lot of musicians might not be willing to do there are other people who you know have a day job you know there are people that i play with who have a corporate job at guitar center you know and for them it enables them to to play now you know there's you know i designed my life so that my quote-unquote day job is my own company and i can work from wherever i am in the world while i'm on tour that was very conscious you know, I I never gave up the idea of, of myself being a touring and professional artist. That's always been mm. first in my identity. But you know, at first it was a real struggle. Like, am I, you know, what it, what is this that I'm doing? But but now I'm so 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 grateful because it does give me some stability and it enables me to not take any of the crappy gigs that I used to do just for the money. Mm. And that's huge. You know, for me, it's important for other people. It's more important to identify as someone who only plays music. So they'll play a four hour cover gig at a wedding, whereas I would rather do something horrible to myself (laughs) like that is not I'd rather, you know, sit at home and work for a couple hours on my computer with my cat next to me, you know, doing my quote unquote job and then go out and play as the, you know, Featured guest on a, you know, storytelling podcast that night, you know, for nothing because I can afford to. But now I'm playing for writers and people like my tribe of people. And that's what lights me up rather than being background music at a wedding, which sucks my spirit
1: yeah you know um, and like you said, everybody makes that decision differently, but yeah it's um it is really interesting because there's if you had asked me five years ago, you know should everybody go out and take that thing that they're mad about and make it like the absolute thing that they make it their living for the rest of their lives? yeah, I probably would have said, yeah, if you can do that, do that, and I'm actually i don't necessarily agree with that anymore I don't mm-hmm. know what's happened. I've seen enough people and had enough conversations where seen people living lives where they've got like either a work a day gig mm-hmm. or they're an entrepreneur and it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not like, it's not the most awesome thing in the world, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's giving them the cash they need to be completely fine. So that when they, yeah. and they have plenty of time left over to do their art. Right. And when they do it, they don't have to think about whether it's putting money in the bank. They don't have to feel like they're doing something. They do it just because it's, they want to do it. Yeah. And you get to make choices very differently. I'm like, you know what? That's just another way to live a good life. That's
2: It's
0: very different. Yeah, it is very different. And I think a lot of it has to do with ego.
2: Mm, Tell me about that. It is.
0: Well, because for for many years, I was of the mentality, I will not ever do, you know, after I was able to quit my part-time day job that I had, for several years, I was just performing. And I was performing at like, quote unquote, new thought churches, you know, Mm. and like trying out different things. In order to make money playing my own music, playing at malls, you know, doing things like that, having session singing gigs that were very far away and maybe not super, super fun. Mm-hmm. But it got to the point where and I was taking all these gigs and running around town and not not really pursuing my artistic goals of my own songs and, you know, all the time or, or writing my own songs and trying to figure out how can I write a positive song? Because these people want to hear positive music. I'm like, <laughs> oh gosh, you know, like maybe that's not where I'm at. I'm really, you know, this is a little too sappy for me and that's not really where I belong. So eventually, I mean, it took me a long time to kind of figure out, okay, I think I'm going to dial back performing at those places and i'm gonna only do maybe club gigs or support these other artists that i really love i mean now i tour with other artists as a hired gun and i love doing that if it's the right artist Mm. you know so it's it's different ways of making money with music that and i think over time that changes like what's true to you changes because who you are changes and You know what satisfies your ego? You know, for for a while it was like, well, anything that's me performing and singing and playing guitar and making money—that means I'm successful. Mm -hmm. And now I don't feel that way. Now I feel like, well, I feel successful no matter what because I know I'm good now. I finally am at peace with myself, so I don't have to prove it to myself by where I'm making my money. And sure, I'm I'm making money as a performer and I'm making money with my business. And I'm making money with sessions and licensing, but I don't have to prove to myself and my ego that I'm worthy. And that's a really big shift. And I think that's enabled me to kind of just let go a little bit and just be like, all right, right, let's. If this, if this is working, if this is how you're enjoying spending your time, I mean, time is the most valuable asset any of us have. And we don't know how much we have. Exactly. You know?
1: What happened in your mind? What, what switch was flipped that made you know you were good? There are a lot of people who play tennis, guitar, Mm you know, paint, sing their entire lives regularly and never improve. But you, like, came into this saying, like, I suck, which probably wasn't true. You were probably, like, very good, but you weren't at a level where, (laughs) like, your your idols were, like, the people. So, you know, my curiosity is always, you know... There's You could have just committed to playing an hour a day or whatever it mm-hmm. was, you know, like for years and years and years and years. But the fact that you actually improved dramatically suggests that you did something different. So like what was, what was I, it that you actually did? I
0: took the areas where I sucked yeah. and I worked on them, which is very painful. I think a lot of people maybe will just play for an hour a day and not – you know, it's that whole kind of intentional practice right, and practicing yeah. what you're not good at. I remember the first time – I practiced with a metronome. I thought my metronome was broken, <laughs> and it was <laughs> <okay>. not broken. <laughs>
2: need to get a replacement. Uh,
0: yeah, I think my metronome's broken. And my boyfriend at times like, mm, no, it's just you need to practice with a metronome. I was Like, hmm. oh, that's painful. So, being able to really take like take it in, like, okay, this is a weak area, and let's work on it. You know, I was told. You know, when I was first in my friend Bicky's band, she's now my bass player. She's this badass bass player. She's amazing. And, you know, many, many years ago, I was in her band. She was singing and writing songs and playing guitar. And she's like, I thought playing funky guitar meant using a wah pedal. I had Mm. no clue. And she said, you need to swallow a James Brown record. You need to. And so I did. And I learned how to play every guitar part on the best of James Brown, the big box set, you know. And it took a while. But now I'm pretty funky. And and it was hard. Like, And it was hard to hear that. You are not good. You are not good at this. You need to learn how to do this. It was very painful. But, you know, that's how you get good.
2: Yeah. And that's but- how you
0: get proud of yourself. And that's how you build a self-esteem. And I think it would just took many years of getting better. You know, and as a singer, the same thing. I mean, I'm doing things now that I couldn't do just a few years ago.
1: What kept you in it? I mean, because each one of those moments where somebody says you stop, or you experience something where somebody says, you don't know, like what, you
2: know, (laughs) there,
1: there are two responses, right? One is, all right, so- I don't, and I'm never going to. So why bother? Like I look at the people. that was my response several times. So like, where do you find the the grit to keep coming back and back and back and back and back? Is that, do you have any sense for for that?
0: Yeah. I was absolutely miserable and depressed and hated my life if I wasn't Mm -hmm. pursuing music. I was really depressed for most of my life, really depressed. And you know, I now have this philosophy that comes from a Thelma Louise, the movie Thelma Mm -hmm. Louise. And it's from a movie, but it's so true. It's you get what you settle for. And I could not stand to settle for being less of a musician than I wanted to be. Because I was so miserable when I did put down the guitar for several years. Mm. I would go to concerts and I'd be super jealous. And that's a horrible feeling to have. And it's not that I don't still get jealous of people, but now when I get jealous, I'm like, oh, that's something that you might want to try doing because
1: it's it's now a little bit more
0: motivational. But, you know, it took me a long time to get there. It, It At first, it discouraged me and I put down my guitar, you know, and I stopped singing. And it wasn't until I recognized like, okay, well, you could just be miserable and depressed for the rest of your life. Is that what you want? And I just, I guess I'm somewhere under there an optimist like i really want to be happy because i mean it's no fun going through life depressed and feeling like you suck so i was like well i can keep trying you know and once i did get that really good piece of advice from that boyfriend like you've got to be willing to suck and then you will get good and i did notice it starting to happen that was encouraging oh I can get better. I can get better. I don't have to be born with this talent, like that whole, the T word, talent. You know, I think that's so damaging, especially to young people. Mm -hmm. You're so talented. It's like, well, I wasn't this talented five years ago. You know, people come up to me like, I wish I had your voice. It's like, yeah, well, I didn't have my voice. You know, I worked my ass off for this voice. And I still do because there's still a lot of stuff I can't do. You know, and there probably always will be. But but I think now I think it's fun because I think it's fun to try. Mm. And I, I'm okay with being who I am, which I wasn't for a long time.
1: Yeah. And you also mm. have a history now where, like, you've actually seen where you've been. Yes. And you see where you are now. And yeah. it's like your own experience proves that yes. an astonishing amount of growth is possible.
2: Yeah. So, and that's like, so you don't helpful. have to just
1: go on faith anymore.
0: Exactly. And yeah. I'm somebody who – I was raised – an atheist. Mm. I had no faith. I still pretty much have not, not a lot of faith in lots of things. And that was a really hard thing for me. And that was one of my questions in my life. And I don't think I've still answered it yet, but how do you have faith in something you can't see? And I think that was something that held me back in terms, you know, you, you hear on the Grammys and the Oscars, you know, I want to thank God. And I want to thank, you know, and people who put their faith in something else outside of themselves, and they just know they can achieve what seems impossible. I didn't have that. And I think that's why I didn't go for it. I didn't have any faith and Mm. I didn't have any proof that I could do it. You know, now at least I have a little bit of proof like, oh, I can get better, you know? Well,
1: it's like now you have, I mean, you have faith based on the fact that like your own abilities, your own work ethic has proven it. Like from the inside, whether you, you know, somebody may look at that and say there was divine inspiration that you don't even know is there, but you can at least look at yourself and say, you know what? Whatever it was, like I've seen in my own experience that I started in one place and I worked relentlessly and what a lot of other people thought wasn't possible, apparently, at least for me, is. Right. You know, so what happens if I keep with that work ethic, you know? Right.
0: And you don't know. And that's one of the beautiful and frustrating things about a career in the arts is you don't ever know Mm. you know I mean people ask me well how did you you know after I got had this book come out people are like how did you get a book deal I'm like I don't know they called me because they knew that I was a girl who played guitar like I'm I don't have any advice for anybody who wants to write a music book you know because things happen once you you know the more you work the more you work is definitely a thing in the arts. And the more gigs you do, the more people see you who who knows what they do. And they offer you opportunities that you never would have imagined. I mean, Mm -hmm. most of the opportunities that I list in my bio were not things that I auditioned for or hoped for. They were just things like I got called the night before a session and ended up singing on a Neil Young record. Like that's that's because I was singing. It was only because I was singing and people knew that I was a singer. That was not because I was auditioning for anything. Oh, a no. lot of things I auditioned for, I didn't get, you know, so it's like, you just, you have so little control over that, Yeah, you know.
1: It's, it's so interesting too, though, because across a lot of fields, you know, so I speak yeah. and there are folks who say that for, if you want to break into the field, you know, you should always value yourself and never, ever, ever speak for free. And I actually disagree with that. I think like, A, I think free is a complete vows. It's never free. Mm -hmm. It's always about like the bundle of cash and non-cash compensations, you know, like, and there's like real exposure. There's fake exposure. (laughs) But but, like you said, like, you know, two things. One, you just want to play more because you want to get better. Mm -hmm. You know, every time you get a chance to step on stage or whatever it is, you're getting a little bit better. The other thing is like you said, you know, you're putting yourself out there and the more you're out there. Mm hmm. The more you're in the game and the more people, you know, you're more top of mind, you know. And yes, just that's so up. true.
0: That's so true. And, and I mean, especially when it comes to performing and speaking, you know, if you're not going out there like you can practice thinking, you, you can practice speaking all you want in your bedroom and you can practice performing mm-hmm. all you want. But when you get on stage and the lights are down low and you can't totally see where everything. your fingers are, <laughs> or when you look out at the audience and you get a little flash of panic and your stomach turns over, you can't practice that at home. You know, it, you need to practice that in front of people. And if you're, you know, I've done a lot of, you know, quote unquote radio shows that maybe went out to two people or three people. But it was really good practice for me to be, to have headphones on and to know what my voice sounds like and, and to be answering questions and to yeah. not say, um, 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 a million times. It doesn't make you perfect, but it, it helps when you get into a situation where you're performing for hundreds of people or you're speaking. I spoke for the first time ever last week, like <laughs> speaking and being a keynote presenter. And that was, really exciting, but it was something I had never done before. And it was very helpful to have been speaking to people in different kinds of capacities. And if I was not willing to do things for free, I would have no experience and I would have been petrified.
1: Yeah. I I think we just need to stop saying it's free and understand and just look at and realistically assess, you know, like, what is the value here for me? Regardless of whether there's cash on the table or not, like, is there, what's the genuine value? Because, yeah, it's just, you know, there's value in having somebody bring together three people, if it's three people, so that you can practice what you can't practice alone. There's value Mm -hmm. in, you know, just being out and about.
0: And Um, who are you hanging out with and who are you meeting? I mean, I first heard you speak at the World Domination Mm -hmm. Summit and- I can imagine speaking with those the other people who are speaking there, you get to meet the most incredible yeah. people, and, and you're awesome. hanging out having dinner with them, and you're introduced as a speaker to the other speakers, and there's a lot of value in that.
1: Yeah, totally agree. I, I actually have a friend who would speak at really big events without being paid, almost entirely based on who was going to be in the green with, with him. I think that's brilliant. And who he would meet, and it's yeah. all... I don't want to go out there and say like uh, people should just you know completely never be compensated in a meaningful of way. It's not, but at the same time, I think I I kind of feel like the pendulum has swung to the level where people are like, I'm never stepping onto a stage or in a room yeah. or or like moving unless there's money on the table, and I just think, man, there there's so many opportunities that people miss by yeah. sort of taking that mindset sometimes.
0: Yeah, I agree, and you know when I. Meet, I know I've had the opportunity to meet and work with some artists who are at these huge high levels, you know, maybe I'll someday be lucky to attain, but they're much more rich and much more famous than I am. And they will do gigs for fun Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, if it's the right mix, like you say, or if it's for a charity that they really believe in or they're not so consumed always with the money, at least in, you know. The singer-songwriter arena, maybe the rock arena, maybe it's different in in different arenas. Uh, But a lot of artists that I really, truly respect and look up to, it's not all about the money. That's not why they're in it. And I am the first person to say, earn money. Get paid for your art. And neither of us are saying, like, right. I'm adamant about that. Like, you value yourself. Right. And I'm also really into doing things because for the joy of it because that's why i started playing music i didn't start playing music to be rich and famous because otherwise haha, i'm a huge failure you know it's like and i don't feel like a failure at all now i feel really successful because i'm great at what i do and i it brings me all over the world and i meet amazing people and i get incredible opportunities and it's not directly correlated to my bank statement, mm-hmm. you know, it's partially correlated. It is it is partially correlated, but not to, not completely, yeah. not 100%. No,
1: I, I think the big takeaway is, yes, we all – like we, we're saying you should be fairly compensated. Yeah. Like whatever it is, at whatever period you are, you know, like yeah. in your development as an artist, expect fair compensation. And at the same time, the mix of what's fair is going to change radically yeah. as you Definitely. move throughout your career.
0: Definitely. Definitely.
1: You brought up the book a couple of times, so tell me what this is and so how it came back. Yeah, out. so
0: this book—it's a book called Guitar for Girls, and it was put out by Hal Leonard, which is a major music publisher. They, yeah. you know, it's in all the guitar centers and stuff, which is super cool. But when they first called me about, they were like, "Well, we we have this idea. We want someone to write a book called Guitar for Girls. Would you be interested?" And I'm a feminist, like I am for girls? Like, why guitar for girls? That's kind of my first thing. And that's what a lot of people ask me. Mm. But the more I thought about it, I thought, well, if someone's going to write this book, and it's going to get a big platform, so it might as well be me, somebody who cares about what I say to girls. And there was already a competing book out there that I was not very fond of. Well, let's just put it that way by (laughs) by their main competing publisher that was you know, very girly. And it's all about, you know, guitar, playing guitars that are shaped like flowers and hearts. And I mean, I love purple sparkly guitars. Do not get me wrong. I really, I still want a sparkly guitar, but, but to me, I really wanted to present songs that were empowering uh, with messages that weren't just about, you know, finding my Prince charming, you know, which is kind of how I was raised, uh, you know, I mean, I guess you're just raised differently in different times.
1: This story is presented by Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA produced by ACAS Creative. Twenty-five years ago, Investco QQQ rethought the investing landscape by providing access to the Nasdaq's 100 most innovative companies, all in one ETF. With Invesco QQQ, investors saw all the possibilities that innovation could deliver. Personally, I had a wake-up call in my 30s that led me to invest deeply in myself to unlock new possibilities. I walked away from a career as a lawyer, overhauled my lifestyle through mindset and exercise and nutrition, and completely reimagined my career. And it was unsettling at times, but that investment in my potential allowed me to live so much more creatively and with purpose and passion. Invesco is proud to sponsor the new Ways to Win podcast, hosted by longtime coaches and mentors Craig Robinson and John Calipari. So in Ways to Win, the coaches use their on-court wisdom to solve for off-court problems and help you find a winning formula for success. In this clip from the show, we'll hear Craig share his advice for weighing a decision to switch from investment banking to full-time coaching. Let's take a listen. The advice that I would give somebody who's weighing a decision that is less risky or more risky, I always tell them to work back from what they're wanting to accomplish, right? What the reward is, what's at the end, and work back and try and set yourself up to get to where you want to get to. Because sometimes taking a risk is the right thing to do to get something that you want. And what I try and counsel people to do is not be afraid to take risks. Because if you set yourself up properly with a good education, a great network of friends, and you've got family behind you, you can usually weather Most storms, if things don't work out the way you thought they'd work out. So, listen to Ways to Win wherever you get your podcasts to get more wisdom from Craig. Nobody knows what's ahead, but one thing's for certain you can access tomorrow's innovation today with Investco QQQ ETF. Let's rethink possibility. So, thank you for listening to this special story brought to you in partnership with Investco QQQ and produced by ACAS Creative. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETFs' risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more defined investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit investco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco is not affiliated with Acas Creative. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
2: Hi,
1: this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.
2: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting
1: even softer over time.
2: times. Hopefully, yeah.
0: you know, I really just wanted to, I really wanted to write the book that I wished I'd had when I was 12. So I put in all this kind, you know, these pieces of advice that I got, like, you've got to be willing to suck. And, and I say, you are going to suck. You're not going to be very good at first. It's okay. That's perfectly normal. Just go with it and don't be afraid. Just keep playing. And this advice I, that would have kept me from quitting. And I I searched for pieces of advice from female musicians singers and guitar players and I included songs all by female artists and almost all by female songwriters including Ani DeFranco, who is one of my biggest heroes Mm -hmm. and the song that I made sure I put in there is a song called not a pretty girl and the first line is I'm not a pretty girl that is not what I do and to me that's just something I just want every girl to hear like you don't have to do that pretty girl thing if you don't want to you know and um you know, things that I didn't really quite learn, but I, I hope the next generation learns, you know, yeah. and has an easier time than I, than I did. That's awesome. So I ended up writing it, and I'm really proud of it. And now it's out there, and, you know, people say, oh, are you going to write a follow-up? And um, no, I don't feel the need to. Like, I said what I needed to say. Right.
2: And, you did you the know.
0: book. <laughs> I did the book. I'm, I'm good with it. I'm really happy. I'm really proud of it. And I actually find when I sell it at shows, the people who are buying it are women in their thirties and forties who played a little bit and then were discouraged. And now they're picking it up again.
1: Oh, how cool is that?
0: I love that. Yeah. And I get these emails from, from women are like, I really just, it feels so good to be able to pick it up again. And you know, I, I just regret having put it down, but it's like never, it's never too late to to start again and to just baby steps.
1: Yeah. I think that's so, uh, that's so important we were started talking just even now and i'm mm-hmm. like i'm somebody who thinks about this stuff a lot right, right? like right. it's my job is to kind of like to let go yeah. and just be where you are yeah. and, and i feel it too you Yeah. know and i would love i have my favorite you know like stevie rayvon is god to me yeah, there are, yeah. You know, there are people where i just i listen and i still just close my eyes and and just yeah. tears come because yeah. i'm like oh my god it's just so astonishing to be able to play a 10th as good as that is something I would love to do, yet I don't pick up the guitar and do it. So just to hear the message, I think is important that it's never too late because I think we probably do feel at some point, mm.
0: Yeah, and it's just not. Like in 10 years, most likely you will still be here. And either you'll be a badass guitar player or you won't. And it doesn't take an hour a day. That is the thing that I think people think. It's going to take so much time and so much effort. And it doesn't, especially in the beginning, like just set a timer on your iPhone for 15 minutes and just, just do something that's fun. Don't make it work. Just make it fun just to get the guitar in your hands because, you know, and I'm somebody who has struggled with, I mean, it's not like I'm dying to practice every day. That is not like I make myself take gigs so that I will practice Mm. because I don't, because I want to be on stage and do an awesome job you know I will take gigs to make myself practice because you know if I'm left to my own devices I'm just like oh whatever you know I, I don't have to perform so I don't need to practice but if you once you pick up the guitar and you're having fun you'll you'll find oh wow I didn't just spend 15 minutes I spent 20 or right? yeah. it's been half an hour you know but if it's that thing just just a few minutes a day yeah. I'm going to follow up with you on this. I, know, <laughs> I, promise. I, want, I have my new accountability partner. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's right. We all need them. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you brought up something also, you know, like there's a good chance you're going to be here 10 years from now. So you've had a really interesting moment a couple of years yeah. back that made you really come face to face with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. I'm still like, it's so weird. So almost three years ago now, two and a half years ago, I found out. Rather suddenly, I mean, completely out of the blue, that I have this incurable form of cancer. And it's called Waldenstrom's macroglobulinemia. It's a type of lymphoma, and it's very slow moving. But at the time I found out, I was pretty sick, and I had no idea. Like, I had no idea. I was getting a blood test because I wanted uh, long-term care insurance, life insurance. I was trying to be a responsible adult. And I was telling my husband, you better drink a lot of water before this blood test. And, you know, you don't exercise and you don't eat right. And you know, and, and here I go, Ms. Yoga and eating healthy L.A. person. And my insurance guy calls me. He's like, yeah, Andrew's fine, but you they're not going to insure you. There's something really wrong with you. You need to go to the doctor. And I was just like, what are you talking about? There's something wrong with your test. No, there was nothing wrong with the test, so I ended up getting treated uh, with a pretty mild form of chemotherapy. But it, it really, it changed everything, and it, and it didn't change everything. Like it's really, it's a mindfuck to, ex, you know, excuse that. It, that's really just what it is. It's total mindfuck. I got a cancer that affects old white men who are like sixty-five years and older, and I'm not, you know. And they no, they can't say, you know, because you were a smoker or you were this or that. They just, it's just like shit happens and you have this weird cancer and it's really rare and we don't really, you know, like you go on the internet and it says, oh, you know, median survival is 12 years, which now it, I'm going to live longer than 12 years for sure. But it's scary and it's weird. And as somebody who was raised as an atheist and being afraid of death and kind mm-hmm. of morbid, it was really scary. And- and it's it's strange. And I've been public about it, which not everybody who gets a cancer diagnosis is. And now I can appreciate why, because you get a lot of unsolicited advice that isn't always very smart, especially being in L.A., you know, you get a lot of interesting health advice. You know, I went through my treatment and I'm doing great now. And it really changed me. And in some ways it didn't, I was already going for my dream. Like I wasn't, it wasn't this wake up call, like, well, I'm in this horrible job that I hate. And now I'm going to really pursue what I love. Like I was already pursuing what I love. I didn't, you know, some people say, oh, you get cancer because you're stuffing down what you really want. And like, I wasn't, I was living my dream and I got sick, you know, it was just, it was, it was very strange.
1: So how did it change you then?
0: Well, it it really brought my family closer together. Everybody, you know, everybody came out and supported me just incredibly. I mean, it was was amazing. It was, my mom flew down to LA for every treatment that I had. And she herself is a lymphoma survivor. I blame her, you know, by the way, for the cancer. (laughs) But uh, she came down and supported me for you know my dad came out to California my sister came down you know it 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 really people just came out from everywhere to support me which was really wonderful and i had to slow down i was for you know i'm a workaholic like i'm still a recovering workaholic but it made me stop i was slammed stop like i had to just stop like okay The only symptom I had was this pretty devastating anemia, which just exhausts you. And I just, I was just drinking coffee like there was no tomorrow because I had no idea. And I would be exhausted in the middle of the day. And there was the only time, you know, and I had bruises all over. And I just thought I was just klutzy in a hurry all Mm -hmm. the time. But I was exhausted. And I remember once before my diagnosis complaining to my husband, like, oh, there's no good reason for me to be so tired at two in the afternoon. He's like, just take a nap. You're fine, honey. You're just really busy. But I was really anemic, and that's why I was so tired. And so while I was going through treatment, you know, chemotherapy knocks you on your ass. And I had spent two weeks out of every month in bed. I could not get up, and people had to get me water, and people had to get me food. And and I I could not be this strong, independent person that i had been i really had to let go and not achieve and not accomplish and just relax and and it was good for me you know it really helped me be less hard on myself and now one of the things that has changed is you know if i need to take a nap i take a freaking nap like i because i still have cancer like I'm much more kind to myself now than I was back then. Like back then I would drive myself more and our culture values that so much. It values pushing through adversity and driving yourself and achieving and, and life is just not all about that. But it's so hard to see that even like I knew life was not about that. I was you know, lucky to be married to a wonderful guy who is not a workaholic and likes to relax and take things easy. And I didn't always appreciate that. I I can't say I appreciate it as much as I probably should even now, but it helped. Mm. It really helped. And just being kinder to myself. I really needed, I I need to be, and I think a lot of people need to be kinder to themselves.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's also interesting because it's I think it's more apparent if somebody goes through something like this and they were a workaholic doing something that they weren't all that interested in. Yeah. It's a different equation when like the thing that's driving you is something that you're actually like madly driven to do because you love it. Yeah,
0: exactly. So it's
1: like, okay, so I actually need even working fierce amount of time doing something that totally lights me up can also cause harm. Yeah. And that's a different thought process.
0: It's very different. It's very different. And – And it did feel good to not work so hard. Mm. And especially in something like music where, I'm sorry, the amount of hard work you do can have an effect on how good you are, but it cannot have much of an effect on how successful you are to the outside world. Just because you're working hard doesn't mean you're necessarily working smart or you're getting whatever quote unquote lucky breaks you get. And, you know, I do believe that a certain amount of working hard is really important because and getting out there is important to getting quote unquote lucky breaks. But there are, there is luck. There really is. And the older I get and the more I see, you know, some people are born into families that they're very lucky to be born into. And some people grow up in cities. They're very lucky to be living in. And, and some people aren't. And, you know, no matter how hard you work, like, you don't have to, just because you work yourself to the bone does not guarantee you're going to be successful. And, you know, you hear these things, you know, I am slightly or more than slightly morbid. And I love reading about people like, what do they say on their deathbeds? And what is so important? And, you know, you always hear that cliche thing, like, nobody wishes they worked more, you know, even when you're doing something that you love. I mean, it's just, yeah, what else is in your life besides work?
1: Mm, Yeah, I think it's good to reflect. We're actually uh, coming around on the hour. You want to play That's something? Fast. I know, yeah. it goes really
0: quickly. <laughs> All right, I'll take off my headphones for this. All right, let's see this Ow! So this is a song, it's going to be on my next record, which I'm about halfway through recording right now. It's called You Get What You Settle For. I uh, was talking about my philosophy mm. from way back when.
2: Yeah, this is it. There we go. One, two, three. All the years Daddy told me, don't look to the silver screen. Yeah, what you settle for?
1: Awesome. Thank you so much.
2: <laughs>
1: you're welcome. Ah, So cool. It's like my own little private concert.
2: Woohoo!
1: <laughs> Sweet. Thank you. That was so wonderful. Oh, thanks. So I want to come full circle with you. There's always the final question oh for my everybody. Gosh, the, question. <laughs> the question. And that is we're hanging out here. You just rocked the house with an awesome <laughs> song on the new album. And you're living a lot of really cool things. So when I offer out the term to live a good life, what comes up for
2: you?
0: Oh, well, given that I just played that song, <laughs> not settling, which I don't really want to an- answer with a negative, but I guess the flip of that is to keep on keeping on, you know, until you're happy and, and helping others to be happy too. And that's, ah, oh, being happy sounds so cliche, but I guess, I guess that is, you know, like not settling. Because I think people really know deep down when they are settling. Like there's a feeling. It's like when you're writing a song and it's not finished. Like the way you know is there's like something that's not quite. Every time you get to that word, you kind of want to swallow it because it's not that great. I think you you feel like that inside if you're if you're settling, and to really strive to feel like you're you're going for everything. I think that's that's a good life, and you may or may not always accomplish it, but as long as you're striving for it and you're not giving up, I, I think that's good. Mm, thank you. Sure.
1: Hey, thanks so much for listening. We love sharing real unscripted conversations and ideas that matter. And if you enjoy that too, and if you enjoy what we're up to, I'd be so grateful if you would take just a few seconds and rate and review the podcast. It really helps us get the word out. You can actually do that now right from the podcast app on your phone. If you have an iPhone, you just click on the reviews tab and take a few seconds and jam over there. And if you haven't yet subscribed while you're there, then make sure you hit the subscribe button while you're at it. And then you'll be sure to never miss out on any of our incredible guests or conversations or riffs. And for those of you, our awesome community who are on other platforms, any love that you might be able to offer sharing our message would just be so appreciated. Until next time, this is Jonathan Fields signing off for Good Life Project.